nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. My name's Devin. Uh, it's been a while since we talked to you guys, but we're back here to talk about some roster moves and just do a little banter and kind of see how everyone's doing. Uh, I'm joined today by Seth, who knows everything. Seth, how you feeling? Is it snowed in Chicago yet? Um, it it, it, did, it did, has it sort of snowed on Sunday, but it is really, really cold, and I came down with the cold myself. So at least I'm podcasting far away from you guys. But it has been yeah. Yesterday, like the wind chill was like negative three. Yeah, winter is here. Yeah, no, I don't don't miss that from the Midwest at all. Uh, what was your favorite Thanksgiving dish you had? Oh, my dad makes an incredible stuffing. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, Charles, how you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling good. Good. Uh, did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. the The best dish uh, the house was also stuffing. We made it with uh, Asiago cheese bread, Ooh. and it was gone leftovers wise after two days that's intriguing i might have to steal that next year um brad you did a great job barbecuing for the uh, lv hockey game how was your thanksgiving um yeah thanksgiving was solid it was just me and uh my lovely wife carrie so uh no family or thing over which made it nice and quiet and uh we did just kind of our own little thing which was nice and she has learned to make my uh grandmother's southern dressing to a t and i much appreciate that impressive uh did josie get any special snacks uh i did sneak josie a piece or two of ham much to carrie's chagrin okay do you do ham turkey both brisket so uh you know heb does the buy a ham get a turkey for free oh okay so we do the ham and then i just stick the turkey in the freezer and then when i feel like making a turkey i smoke a turkey down the road nice perfectly fine all right yeah that's a good plan well very the little (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then you can have you get to have night ham that way with uh you know stick some ham in an aloha in aloha bread make little rolls and have night ham sandwiches for football on Thanksgiving evening. Ooh, that's really solid little egg bowl with your ham. Absolutely. Yeah, very nice, very nice. We did bury the lead a little bit on you here, listeners. Um, we're about two minutes in. We haven't mentioned that we have a special guest, Phil West. Phil, how you doing? I'm good. Good. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Do you have a favorite dish? Uh, yeah, we had a great Thanksgiving. We were supposed to go to Nashville. Uh, plans changed remarkably uh, because of some illnesses and things like that. So uh, we stayed at home and my 16-year-old kind of took over some of the cooking and made a really good stuffing and then um, really good mac and cheese dish. And then I contributed a uh, Brussels sprouts dish, which was covered in a lot of uh, cheese and heavy cream and all that. And that turned out really good, um, just as, as healthy as that sounds. Yeah, that's the proper way to eat Brussels sprouts, especially on Thanksgiving. Exactly. Uh, we do have a little bit of, I don't want to call it hazing, but I do have a bone to pick with you, Phil. So sure. um, I submitted to your lovely, lovely uh, newsletter, Verde All Day, which everybody should subscribe to on Substack, uh, a question under my uh, online alias ATX Bergkamp lover, 6969420, ha, 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 ha. Um, and I asked you a question. I think you gave me a cop-out answer. So we're going to ask you again. And um, we'll see what you have to say. So if you could bathe in any liquid for the rest of your life and you can't pick water, sparkling water, coconut water, any derivation of water, uh, what would you pick? Uh, Can I use coconut milk? Sure. Okay. I will do that then. Okay. Coconut milk. It's good for your skin. Yeah. 
Yeah, nice. That's yeah, good I really, I really like bathing with water. That's why this question was so hard for me. Sure. Well, I mean, that's what I specialize in is ridiculous questions. But right, right. Um, yeah, no. Um, yeah, I would, I would say coconut milk. Um, I did give you like my absolute nightmare, which would be a uh, tomato juice. Yeah, no, that would be terrible. Yeah, which I also hear does not actually do anything against skunks, which we had to find out because um, we had kind of a skunk invasion last summer, and my husky ended up killing both a mother and a baby skunk in our backyard over the course of several days. Um, that was yeah, pretty yeah. Those are furry dogs, and that doesn't come out easy, I'm sure. Six months. Oh. <laughs> and of course, the dog like got in the house and immediately like rubbed herself all over the couch. You know, yeah, oh, naturally. this is terrible. <laughs> now I'm going to make you suffer too. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's yeah, it's a dog thing to do. Um, we just had our our little official corgi of the Suffering from Joy podcast, uh, Philip yeah. J. Frankton, the third Esquire, got his snip snip. So he's stuck in a box for another couple days, but he's been trooping it out. Um. Anybody have any other good answers about the uh, bathing and liquid question? No, I was hoping that was the answer. Um, okay, down to brass tacks here. Uh, we got some roster news, a little bit of roster news. Um, I'm not sure how much of this is surprising, but, um, you know, some names are going, some some people are sticking around. Uh, we got some information on Ethan Finley signing an extension. Um, Seth, where are we at? So we need we need some more players. Like we, there are nine guys that were not renewed, which was to be expected. We need some roster turnover. I think all of us could agree on that. Um, a little surprised to see Kip Keller not. I thought he was actually on a three year deal, not on a two year deal, but he's not not coming back. We knew Maxi. I mean, he'd been posting on Instagram for three months that he wasn't coming back. Um, so like, there wasn't really huge surprises there. It's a little weird to me that. Hector Jimenez's situation isn't 100% confirmed, but... That was just, far and away the best one. Was that? That was far and away the best one. Yeah. Hector, uh, we'll figure it out later. Yeah, it's like, okay, like, I, I think having him be an assistant coach would actually be a really good thing, but I guess if we can't find enough guys to fill out a roster, we could get him on a minimum contract, but he barely played this year, and I would much rather take take a risk on a 19 or 20 year old or heck someone from FC. Yeah. Yeah, He got like, he got like 50 MLS minutes. Yeah. I mean, I think a system coach is clearly where he's headed, but yeah, that the ongoing conversations part of the, uh, the roster moves announcement is, is the best really. Yeah. Um, Charles, Brad, anything to add here? I mean, that says we need players, but we don't really use subs. So I don't know that we actually need players. We have enough to field eleven on there right now with a keeper, so I'm. I think we're good. We don't. Yeah, subs, I mean, but we do get injuries. So, yes, we get a lot. Yeah. Of injuries. <laughs> so here's the thing: even even with no injuries, we're still not good. Uh, I, that's right. Totally different problems. Yeah, that's right. That like we we need players because at this point we only have two fullbacks, and I think we only have two and a half. Count Owen. Are we counting? Are we also counting Owen as a as a half striker? We'll we'll call him a half in like five different positions. Okay, that's personal. Um, shout out to Jorge Atorade. Um No, I think the biggest thing is they just need players in depth and guys who can actually fit into whatever the new system is or the old system is or whatever we're going to be playing for next year. Um, so I think that the the fullback roster decisions going forward are going to be informative for how. Um, the roster is going to rebuild and what kind of formation we might see. 
Yeah, but clearly they needed to create some kind of space. And I mean, getting rid of $900,000 worth of striker salary that produced four goals is probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Oh, 100%. There's a ton of salary cap flexibility right now that you can go within MLS and find some domestic players, even find some international players during this break. I think we, I'm sure we're going to get to this. Anybody expecting the big DP slash, splash to happen this current offseason is probably not really paying attention to what's being said. But there's, uh, I'm really intrigued by the roster flexibility we have going into the next month or two here before camp starts back up. Yeah, but, but Brad, I will challenge that a little bit. I mean, the MLS uh, Board of Governors is meeting on December 14th, which is not that far away. And there have been rumors about a fourth DP, about extra spots, about higher cap space. As much as we like to um, make fun of everything in Messi, like Messi led a lot of people to pay for Apple TV. And the more Apple TV subscriptions, it means the more GAM in the future. So there's going to be some more money here. And it's going to be, I'll be curious to see what actually gets approved there. But if there is a fourth DP spot, I mean, I still think Rona would probably wait till the summer to fill it. But like, if there is someone there that could come up now, like, I, I think you, you at least have to be in the market. Jordan Morris isn't going to sign himself, man. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, oh, we'd be we'd be lucky if the old striker we signed is Jordan Morris. <laughs> His looks good. I mean, have you looked at this free agent list? Like, Kai Kamara is just sitting there. Kai Kamara, uh, who didn't, who was sitting on um, getting to be the all-time second leading goal scorer in MLS history, and didn't score a goal after May this year. Well, that's more recently than Maxi. <laughs> Yikes! Um, but yeah, I want to kind of like fold these two into a a question, I guess, for a special guest. Um, Phil, are we gonna play like roughly the same system? And if so, like, what are what should we be targeting with these roster moves? Yeah, well, I mean, Roto said as much, right? In the press conferences, he talked about being enamored of the style. You know, Josh clearly is a pep admirer. Roto clearly was a pep assistant. So I think that they are going to try to play the same way. But obviously, they don't really have the personnel to do it, um, as evinced by a lot of last year's play and you know, kind of degrading into uh, hopeful crosses, um, things like that. So I think definitely more fullbacks. I mean, again, just because they don't have very many at this point, but also um, because that's a place where they really need to upgrade. And then still, I think uh, if we can get maybe a under 30 striker who could create his own shot, that would be great. I mean, there are a lot of tempting over 30 strikers that would underperform in in Austin FC tradition that we've had so far. So, you know, Diego Rubio is out there. So that's certainly a possibility. Uh, But, you know, there's also like a, a Danny Masofsky who might be somebody who could come and spell and do some good things given, you know, the opportunity to, to make more than, you know, $85,000 or whatever he was making. Uh, but I do, I mean, so, I, my hope is that, I mean, my hope is that they go overseas. My hope is that they don't necessarily, I mean, they'll, they'll need to go into the MLS pool uh, to fill out the roster, but I'm hoping that they don't just kind of do, you know, another kind of Danny Hosen style move or something like that. Yeah. No more Adam Lundquist's. <laughs> yeah. So my only concern about the Masofsky move, and I'm not sure if MLS rules allowed this, but are you allowed to have two players where the crowd does the fake boo chant uh, saying their name? Because I'm not sure that's allowed by MLS rules. <laughs> We're just tearing down barriers. Along with the uh, the fourth DP. Maybe yeah. there will be the two players that rhymes with boo that, that you can have. Yeah. 
So, open question here. Uh, is there a worse signing we could make than Chicharito? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I knew you would have an answer for me, Seth. I mean, I don't know. This club could bring back a former DP. Um, there, there are always worse. There are always worse signings that can be made. Was that entire like Instagram thing? I'm wearing green. I look good in this color thing. Just totally ridiculous because that's the Mexico national team colors. Or is there like any smoke to this fire? I took that yeah. he wanted to play for Santos, but that was or, or no, or Club Leon. Yeah. Uh, who does dad play for? Uh, well, he, he came up through the Chivas system. Okay. But I don't think Chivas is going to um, – they're not in a great cash position right now. So I don't think he's going back to Guadalajara. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess, yeah, you know, fullbacks are a big need. Like, do we believe Zardes is the answer next year? Or do we need to find somebody who can put the biscuit in the basket like 100%? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'd, we'd all love a DP striker at this point who's way better than Giassi Zardes. I just, unless, obviously, if we get a fourth DP, then you have that option available. But it's a question of what restrictions would be on that. Where does, where is Roto thinking? Like, I would love to see, is interesting, is like, who are the types of players that we want to find? And I, I think I want, especially with Roto's connections in City Football Group, because they own so many different clubs, there has to be players that could go on loan from these top clubs that they just, they're finding talent over South America, Africa, Asia, wherever else in the world. And like, yeah, I mean, I think of someone, I was at the um, Philly Cincy game on Saturday, and the game winner was scored by Jefferson, Jefferson Mascara, who's a center back. But Someone in his profile who is a 22-year-old Ecuadorian guy, or Colombian, I should say, um, but he's signed by Wolves. Wolves didn't have a place in the first team for him quite yet and goes on a season loan. Yeah, ideally, you'd love someone for more than a season. But, like, if we could start building connections with big clubs and guys who are young and up and coming and need loans, I am glad to take those guys for a year or two to help develop them in MLS, especially a lot of these English teams want players to actually learn the English language. There's a really good piece in the athletic on the mascara situation and why they chose to send him to the U.S. because they're like, oh, he could be on a team with a bunch of Spanish speakers and still learn English and develop in the league. And I feel like Roto has a bunch more connections in England and other big leagues that could help us get players like that. Yeah, I was absolutely heartbroken when I found out that up-and-comers Girona and uh, La Liga were owned by City Football Group, but um, that's a story. To yeah, well, that's where, I mean, that's where Castellanos went. I mean, you know, if you could have like a yep. year and a half of Castellanos, I mean, would you take that? You know, 25 goals, 30 goals. In yes. The neighborhood. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Six days a week and twice on Sunday. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's, I mean, with that network, I mean, there are those kind of, you know, potential possibilities that are out there, but again, yeah, we don't really, we don't really know much about what he's going to bring. I mean, we've only seen kind of, I guess, maybe half a transfer window from Roto given that, he wasn't probably, I mean, he was, he was involved to a degree, but I know that he was, you know, not even in the country for a while, still trying to get some stuff worked out before he actually got here. And, you know, obviously we had the Fagundas deal, but that was obviously much more of a salary dump since Memo Rodriguez wasn't even apparently worth um, 180000 to be a minutes eater, which I thought would have actually been a good player to keep. And that one surprised me a little, maybe. Yeah. Did we ever get a final number on the gam got out of that trade? I think we're netted about 200 plus, 250, okay. based on Hedges offset with Fagundes and then what okay. uh, the or what the memo salary comes out. But you're including Hedges in that? Yeah, so you have to offset Hedges with mm-hmm. Fagundes and then basically just take memo salary. 
Okay. So do we? So what? One of the questions I wanted to throw out here is: Okay, we still have hedges. Are we going to be playing a back three with having three theoretically MLS starting quality center backs this season? That, that's what makes the most sense to me, especially because like that's sort of what we have tried to do a few times this year, and you know Josh loves his high wing backs, so I wouldn't be shocked to see that, but. Um, do we switch to a four as soon as somebody gets hurt or gets tired or like, how do we do this? Yeah. Cause I mean, at this point, like our, our fourth center back is still Alex. No, no technically it's Johan Romagna. Romagna's coming back. I He's mean, Romagna back, comes probably. back, but I mean, it's those were, were my next two questions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cause, yeah. Cause like the story got leaked today, assumably by his agent about how Austin's asking for like a million for transfer fee for Romagna, which seems insane, but it's just kind of, I mean, it's, it, but at the same token, like how much we're paying Hedges and Cascante and uh, Leo together, like those are all, those are three guys who are all getting paid like starters. Yeah. And so the salary gap league, like I'm not sure how we're going to like reason spending that kind of money on that one position if you're only going to play two. I agree. And so I, I, I know that the argument yeah. is probably we're going to load out Romagna here, right? And, or sell them if whatever we can get. Dude's only making 400, 450 grand, somewhere in that range. I mean, that's, that's pretty good that's, for an MLS defender. That's not a bad value for a guy like him. And well, uh, no, it's, it's it's a bad value for a guy like him. It's not a bad value for a starting caliber center back. Sure, but I don't think he's, out of those three options, the fourth center back, personally. I think he's more talented than a couple, or at least one of the players on that list. Really? Yes, Oh Go for God. it, Brad. Who's he more talented than? Yeah, I do it. Say, I Brian honestly, Mangum is listening. <laughs> give me give me him over Hedges right now. Okay, yeah. With age and speed and ability to make some things up and physicality in the box, give me Hedges. Give him give me him over Hedges right now. And I think Matt Hedges is going to be good for us next year. He'll be fine. But we need somebody who's going to bring some damn heat in the box as a defender. Did you want to put Why? soccer IQ into the mix here, though? That's eh, not as fun. <laughs> hey, has Matt Hedges ever gone on a 70-yard run in Minnesota? I don't think so. Romagna has with the ball at his feet. I was there. I saw it. It was beautiful. I mean, he's probably done it in training. Okay, but not during a game when we were down to nothing. Is Romagna still the people's champ? Yes. 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 Okay, Charles, I, I know you always have your finger on the pulse there. Um, while I... we're on this, uh, Charles, how do you feel about Rodney? sad i uh, i wish i had music queued up to to properly convey the sadness uh mostly because like i was looking back uh on this season and really like the only time we were really happy this season outside of beating undermanned uh dallas and houston in the same week was rodney's goal against new mexico and that really was like looking back like we didn't realize that that was going to be the peak of the season wow a lot of suffering very little joy. Yeah. Do you think that um, was genuine happiness or do you think that was kind of ironic pent up happiness? I don't know. So, at this I, point. I, so it was definitely a mix. I was down there in the supporter section and everybody celebrated because it was a goal. And then it slowly dawned on people because it was on the, as well as on the North end. Uh, it slowly dawned on people that it was Rodney who scored. And then all of us who have been Rodney believers throughout all of this found each other and were able to just like continue the celebration going. Also, I'm I'm fairly sure that the Rodney chant is only the second time a player has ever gotten their name chanted, 
except besides uh, Gta's hat trick. <laughs> well, I guess like you had like the Drew UC MVP chance last year. Yeah, but I don't know if that you count that. I, I, I mean, I thought it was pretty organic because that play there was a euphoria for a solid ten minutes after that goal when Rodney scored that I, you could feel it in the stadium. And the fact that it was a midweek game, U.S. Open Cup, and it wasn't a full, full house, it, it was kind of just the hardcore sickos that were there to watch a game against New Mexico United, it, it felt right that Rodney scored. And it, the folks who were there were going nuts. I thought it was very genuine. Yeah, I don't remember if this was year two or year three, but Rodney came in as a late game sub in one game, and it looked like he was finally going to get that first goal. And the press box was about as animated as I've ever seen it. Like, you know, usually you're just kind of, you know, you're you're not necessarily stayed, but you don't necessarily whoop and holler when Austin goals happen or anything like that. But but there were there were reporters in there that were openly rooting for Rodney to score and just just kind of brought everybody together like like few other things have. Yeah. I mean he also scored that banger against Vancouver away that um that kind of got forgotten about because that was a late night during the week. So not a whole lot of people watched it. And we gave up a goal in the first like ninety seconds. That didn't help. And then there was the uh, banger against Tigres. Yup. Yep. We will always have Tigres. Uh, do we actually think Romagna is going to stick around? It seems like his relationship, let's call it, with Wolf is kind of irreparably harmed, but maybe I have too much Mikel Arteta in my life. Yeah, I was going to say not if Josh Wolf can help it. <laughs> yeah. I think they want to. I think they want to move him if at all possible, and I think he's probably just going to come here to. Uh, try to get into shape, which, you know, according to Josh Wolf, is is a, a 50-50 prospect, right? So, Bro, have uh, you seen those thighs? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel as though, like, I, I feel as though Romagna is, is kind of one of those players who at this time, like, the amount of salary he takes up would be more valuable than him as a player. And since we're in such a, like, tear-it-down mode, it would make sense to try to get that moved. Yeah, but I mean, that's most of our team, right? They're not worth the salary. That's why we're not good. Well, well, yeah, but that, that, I mean, that's where the hard part comes in. We have to tear everything yeah. down. Sure. Like, like we're down to like 13 players under contract, I think now. Um, yeah. Oh, and this will lead into a nice question we have from a uh, listener for Phil, if you guys are cool with this. Um, my good buddy and fellow Gooner. Phil, you're a Gooner, right? Yes. Okay. My good buddy Todd Schaefer says... Is bringing in almost half a squad of players, but keeping Wolf damaging in the long run for the club. What does it tell us about the strategy for the upcoming season? It feels like a way for the club to temper expectations and have an easy out if things don't go well. I mean, that's a cynical way to look at it, yeah. But I mean, I think, like, you look at Houston, for example, last year. I mean, they they knew that they wanted to change things they got rid of Nagamura before the end of the season but they also switched out 17 players and when they brought Olsen in it was the rebuild was kind of already on so they had a sense of what they wanted to do um I wrote about this actually for uh Backheeled uh, about a month or so ago <clears throat> and basically um they had an assistant coach which they've still kept on Olsen's squad um but was with the club who kind of had a vision for what they wanted to do and they got a bunch of players that fit that vision and you know it was a big dice roll at the time it didn't look like maybe a lot of these players would necessarily work out but lo and behold you know <laughs> they are in the conference finals they've won an open cup you know they have really turned that team around i mean they had some pieces there obviously notably Hector Herrera who 
got it together, you know, this year after a pretty disappointing last year. But I mean, I think it's possible to do like a wholesale reset as long as you have kind of a clear vision. And again, the whole theory of, you know, Roto taking on kind of like an emperor to, you know, Josh Wolf's Darth Vader uh, kind of tutelage prospect might be something that would happen. And then maybe, you know, Wolf gets better um, under Roto's tutelage and the team is kind of more in line of what can play the style and things turn out really well. Um, But it could not work out that way. A bunch of things could go uh, horribly, horribly wrong on the way to that. But looking at Houston and maybe to a lesser degree, um, Atlanta and their transformations between 22 and 23, getting a lot of players in is, you know, that's that's an example of what can happen on the positive side. That You can really remake a team in MLS in a single year and have it go well. So in your analogy, is Greg Berhalter Qui-Gon Jinn? Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is just a weird place to be, but thanks for taking us down that road. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. Um, anybody else have any thoughts kind of along those lines? Like, do we have a vision? Do we know? Should we know? Um, I'm totally fine if we're kept in the dark and then they just come out with some really cool stuff. Um, first game of the year and we're like, oh shit, we didn't see any of that coming. I love being wrong, but um, yeah, I don't, know, do how, I don't mind the hide though because they're doing uh, Golchella, right? So you'd imagine they're mm-hmm. going to be working on it in front of everyone out in California. Good point. I'm yeah, sorry, but has, then again, has we, any we, team ever had has any team ever had a less constructive preseason than Austin has had the last two years or last three years? Like, I feel like everything we see in preseason, like nothing bears out when the team when the games actually matter. Um, and so, I mean, Golchella is going to be fun because it's actually it's. I mean, never guys. It's not going to be as fun as uh, Verne Hill, but, like, it's still going to be interesting that, like, it's going to be open. We also don't know if we're playing one game out there, three or four games out there. And also, like, St. Louis played, like, seven games that are open to the public last year. We were not ready for get day one against St. Louis last year. Yeah, that was a fun day for me. Um, Actually, it's extending Phil's analogy is Jared Stroud a Sith because he, like, Jedi mind tricked uh, Kippy. Are we taking this too far? <laughs> yeah, no, we never, we weren't ready it, yeah, yeah, Charles, we've never taken anything too far before. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to say we weren't ready for St. Louis last year. We had a two-one lead, and then Kip decided to do Kip things. Yeah, yeah but I mean, I, you're only as strong as your weakest link. I'm thinking in this scenario, maybe Jared Stroud is a Jawa, and Kip Keller is a unwieldy droid. Okay, I can see that. No, 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 no. I was going to take this way too far, but let's not do that. Um, All right. Well, we talked about Romania, and then we got way off track, which is what we do here. But uh, is Alex Ring staying? What's going on? That's a Phil question. Yeah, I I think not if they can help it, but I think that's going to be a little bit trickier. I mean, the question is, can they do anything to get him back down to a max TAM to open up a DCP spot, or is he with this particular designation, is he going to remain a DP? You know, I don't know what they can do necessarily about that. The salary level, he's still at a place where he'd be convertible, but I don't know if it's as easy as just, you know, waving a hand and saying, you know, you're now a Max Tam player, you know, probably not. But also, you know, he didn't seem terribly, shall we say, happy here last year. So I can imagine maybe a scenario in which, oh, this option triggered automatically, you're here, great. We still want to try to find a home for you. You know, maybe somewhere in the Bundesliga. But it's it's possible that 
he stays at least the first part of the year and he's easier to move in the summer window. So Phil, let me ask this question because obviously with Rodney gone, the mm-hmm. we lose one of the U22 designations. Yeah. So how does that affect Alex's designation? Can, would he just go straight to Tam since he doesn't? we don't have that third DP spot that has to be under a certain amount of dollars? Yeah, well, see, that's what I don't know. But I mean, the thing is, if you have... If you have that that Max Tam DP player like Ring, you can only have um, one U twenty two, and Awesome technically still has two right now because GTA is on loan, but he's still on the books. And then Pomonich is your other U twenty two. And GTA comes off the books in the summer. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so I'm. I mean, my my guess though is, I mean, again, if they want to kind of stay with that strategy, then you know, especially, I mean, we don't know also if there's that fourth DP thing, how that's going to affect. I mean, I imagine it's just going to be another, you know, full DP slot, and it won't really affect the U22 stuff. But again, you know, the other opportunity might be um, to get a U22 fullback or get a U22 striker, you know, as one of those pieces, rather than you know trying to do a DP right now, and you could still do that under under the rosters. I mean, the only thing that's really changed um, fundamentally is that, you know, Redis is now gone. So we're down from three to two U22s. But, you know, if, if there's a full third DP, um, then you can only have the one U22. And there's been, Seth, you pointed this out in a chat that we were having. There's been a, a lot of pushback regarding if this is actually gonna go through with the fourth DP because of the cheaper owners MLS, like what are the, what are your odds on this actually going through? I'm asking this out of curiosity because no, I, I think, think you're more plugged into this answer than I am. Yeah, no, I, I think it's pretty high that it's going to go through. Um, Garver pretty much admitted it during the All-Star game. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if that was a hedging trying to get owners to go a certain way. But I think that there are now enough wealthy owners in the league that they are a majority. The other thing, I don't know, Phil, you may know this. I don't know if that's a majority vote, a two-thirds vote, a three-fourths vote. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I, I think, well, I think it's just, isn't it just the Board of Governors, though? I mean, I guess, well, I guess yeah, every yeah. team has a rep, so. Yes, that Does is that right. have to go I, through the CBA, too? Um, well, I, I can't see the players having an objection to that. But yeah, that's, that's more people getting paid more money, the players aren't going to be mad about that. No. Um, I don't know. We have a lot of question marks, and after last year, I think question marks are probably good. Sure. And we also have, as a league, we've got to figure out the new playoff system for next year because it has to change every year. We can actually keep playoffs the same every year. It doesn't work. I was going to jump on this in a minute, and I'll, I'm going to start with Charles here. How many playoff games have you watched? Uh, I watched the two Eastern games on Saturday, and that's all I've watched. Okay. I watched the second St. Louis City uh, Sporting KC match, so I'm at one. Brad, how about you? 30 minutes combined. Okay. Of random How games. many games? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe 30 minutes combined. Um, Got to be honest, man. Saturday was college football rivalry day. I wasn't watching MLS if Austin wasn't involved. Uh, I had no interest in the first round best of threes. I thought it was the dumbest concept in the world and just didn't interest me. Yep. Uh, and then Sunday I was um, just doing other stuff. So I have some plans to maybe catch a little bit of action this weekend, although I do have other stuff going on in the next two weeks, and I'm probably going to miss MLS Cup too. So, Seth? Yeah. So I probably watched the most. I was, as I mentioned earlier, I was at the Philly Cincy game. Um, so, did get to see that in person in TQLs. And I know, Devin, you got to go um, when we were there for the USA Mexico game two years ago. And outside of having small bathrooms is a 
wonderful stadium. It was cold there, but it was full house. And um, I was sitting one section over from the Bailey, which is their South End equivalent. And it was, no, like it was, it was a great atmosphere. Like it was fun to see that in person. Um, in the first round, I watched like a minute of the play-in games and then random stuff around here or there. Um, like some of those weeknight games, like, oh, I was just home and it was in the background. I wouldn't say I was like actively watching it. But, like, it was on TV. But I, I did watch both games on – well, I watched the second half of Houston um, SKC because I was watching the Bills-Eagles uh, game over that on su- on Sunday, the first one, because that Bills-Eagles game was better than the Houston-KC game. Were there There's a lot, lot, of, lot of good MLS after dark energy in the um, Seattle-LAFC game. And it's oh, just God, like, okay, I don't know how many people were watching that. <laughs> At um, that late of hour, but like I hope they actually got decent ratings for it because it was pretty fun soccer. Were there random people like selling tequila shots outside TQL again? No, there were no random people selling <laughs> tequila shots. Um, lots more smoke. Like I, like yeah, I know we occasionally throw smoke on our marches into matches, but like there was a lot of smoke to the point I'm like I want a mask because there is so much smoke <laughs> going on outside the stadium. And it was pretty windy outside as well. So, like, the smoke was just blowing into my face. And, like, they were throwing smoke bombs right as they were, like, walking in past security. I'm like, I don't think that's allowed, but, like, eh, no pasa nada. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Phil, how about you? I probably have watched about, like, 60 to 70% of all the minutes. Um, but I've forgotten a lot of the first round already. <laughs> yeah, I could kind of go back and recreate it. But it just, I mean, it, it all kind of ran together. And then there was the international break that got in the way. Uh, and then, yeah, I did watch all the semi-games. Although on Saturday, um, I was watching Orlando Columbus while I was watching Apple Cup on a phone. And I was much more drawn to Apple Cup in the waning parts of that since that was a lot more close and tense than I had expected that to be, but that is 2023 Washington football. Yeah, Apple oh Cup gosh. was a great game. It really yeah, was. When I mean, you're in for UW. I'm sorry, what? When and you're in for UW. Yeah, that's it, that's a big F. <laughs> I mean, yep. Oregon's real good, but um, Washington finds ways to win, and they're 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 fun. They're really fun. Or other teams who are playing them find ways to lose. I was at the Washington-Stanford game last month. And I was like, <laughs> Washington did not win that game. Stanford definitely lost that game, though. But that's all you need sometimes. Just a Jedi mind trick. Yeah, it all works out now, there. Now um, we just need to do that to the entire Western Conference. <laughs> and it will be fine. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that we're going to have um, MLS Cup in Ohio no matter what happens because even though the uh, crew and LAFC are both three seats, the crew had a higher point total. So um, whoever wins Hell is Real on Saturday will host the MLS Cup. That's right. All right. Fun. And then you you get the really fun scenario, which was the Austin scenario of last year, of the New England Revolution needing anyone but LAFC to win to make it to CONCACAF Champions Cup. And if anyone wants, like, the most sicko thing of the night, um, it is that there is a third-place game going on over two legs in the CONCACAF Caribbean Cup between Mocha 
from the Dominican Republic and Harborview from Jamaica. The reason I bring this up is Mocha's home stadium is none other than our famous tree stadium in Santiago in the Dominican Republic. So mm. they want 2-1 in Jamaica tonight. And if they um, get a result at home next week, we will have more CONCACAF Champions Cup at the lovely tree stadium in Santiago. Maybe there'll be some more honky honk. Oh, it yes. all comes back to VMware. Yes, honky honk. <laughs> I do like that stadium, though. Yeah, I'm just I'm just sad that I didn't get to go to it. I actually I was in I was in Atlanta a few weeks ago using my Delta credit that I had for flights that I had bought to Santiago in the Dominican Republic. But alas, probably better that I didn't go. Well, awesome enough, she she didn't show up at that game either. Yeah, so. no, yes. <laughs> so. It would have been a fun vacation, but aside from yeah, the we, game, we had we had all sorts of things set up. We had a cigar factory tour ready to go. We had. Some rub tastings. We had a brewery reserved pregame. We had a bunch of fun stuff ready to go, but eh, alas. Speaking of, uh, the U.S. men's national team is playing a game in San Antonio as part of Camp Cupcake against Slovenia. Is there any chance? I've heard some people like say Brad Stuber might get called up. I can't see that happening, but no. him or, or, I, him I, or I Zan have any chance of playing? I think Jean has a chance of playing because I just don't know who yeah. from Slovenia will be out. Like, I just don't know enough about their team because they have enough players that are in big leagues that are already resumed. So, like, it's going to be a B squad from them. They did qualify for the Olympics. So, I think you're really looking at an Olympic squad um, mm-hmm. and maybe a few other randos. It's just a question of to be okay, we have Copa America next year, which we have a draw for Copa America in nine days. And we don't know outside of the opening match and the final match where these matches are being played. Like, it's crazy. Conca-caf, conca-caf. Uh, okay. speaking, of, speaking of that, they well, also announced the Women's uh, Gold Cup, which for the first time is going to happen in February and March today. Um, so no games at Austin because of the one huge, huge mistake at Q2 that they did not build the third and fourth locker rooms large enough for us to host double headers, which is just... It's crazy to me that they haven't fixed that because we've lost out on a bunch of international matches to Frisco and Houston as a result of that. Where would you put them now, though? Discount so, fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they can put them where the water fountains should be, and then it'll be fine. <laughs> well, I guess the uh, um, the shower water would already be hot. I was gonna say unless you took unless you took an extension off the loading dock and built locker rooms back there, I don't know where else you would put them. I don't know. Good question. But yeah, they did not think through that in building the stadium. They thought through a lot of other things, but they did not think through that. And they didn't think through, oh, we're going to put a roof over the away fans and make their drums really loud. By the way, speaking of, I, uh, I did go to the Trinidad and Tobago game. The away one was way, way funnier. Um, But I did get to meet with coach Wolf in the Captain Morgan Club before the game and just kind of milling around. Like, if you guys have been in there before, it's just sort of like a little, like, bar area. It's no different than, like, on a hop squad or something before a game. Um, And I just – there was supposed to be a thing with him and Paul Cavalieri uh, where you had, like, a photo op and Josh was just sort of walking around. So, I, you know, I'm in USA gear, whatever, and I just sort of waved at him and said, hey, coach. And he just walks up to me and says, we'll do better next year. It was just like, holy shit. Um, at least you're under pressure or something like that did was you, a hell of a response, dude. Did you immediately just go, I don't believe you? No, like, he's just, <laughs> I'm not going to bother the guy. Like, 
it was just like, hi, dude. Um, and it was weird that a random guy said that to him. And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so uh, it sounds like he's being held to account at least. Maybe. Am I being optimistic? I Maybe. I don't. I, I got to see it. I got to see actual or hear something from ownership and from leadership that tells me he's being held accountable because I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Like, all, all I've heard are excuses. Uh, Phil, any takes here? I mean, I would I would hope that he's thinking that right now because, I mean, obviously they did not do well last year. I mean, again, yeah, it's hard to say, like, at what point, you know, what kind of level of results would have them looking for a coach, you know, if, if it wasn't at the end of this year, which – ended up being pretty bad as, as you all remember. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, people are talking about summer as a possibility, like if things aren't going well by, you know, June or July, there's an opportunity to, to get some of the folks that might be available, you know, with the, the September to May calendar for most of the world, you know, obviously um, some, some coaches might come free then. So maybe that's the time to replace him if you're going to replace him. Yeah. I mean, for me, the question has always been fundamentally, you know, okay, he's not getting the results that people want. Um, that's clear. There's questions about whether he's the right fit for this, but who do you replace him with? You know, and I point this year to, you know, Colorado and, and Portland, right? So, or yeah, I mean, you, you have this opportunity to replace Robin Fraser and you think, oh yeah, that might be great. And then you end up getting Chris Armas and then you, you know, you have Geo Scott Rose and you end up getting Phil Neville. You know, that's not, that's not good. That's not improved. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that as one of those, those fans. Yeah, but that doesn't mean there wasn't, that doesn't mean there aren't better coaches available. That shows okay. confidence by leadership. Right. But I'm just saying that, you know, just because you replace Wolf, it doesn't mean that you're going to replace him with somebody that's going to be fundamentally better. I mean, that's supposed I, to I be mean, what's... the job of front office theoretically. But if you have, you know, these jobs in Colorado and Portland, which are not bad places to be, they're not bad places to coach. I mean, Colorado doesn't have a ton of talent, but, um, you know, certainly they're desirable destinations and you end up like that's that's the end of some of your your coaching search. Then what are you doing? I, I mean, where's BJ Callahan coaching? I mean, can we just yeah let the good uh, players just, play? I mean, <laughs> yeah, like let the good players play gives them freedom. Like that seems like a winning formula. I just, I, I, I just think that it's one of those things where, like, because of Roto's connections and his his net, both in terms of scouting players and coaches, that I think you can give all of us a hundred guesses on who the next Austin F C coach would be after Wolf, and none of us would get it right. Because it's going to be some guy he plucks out of um, the Spanish league or England or something that we've never heard of. I, I mean, I think that's the fantasy, right? I mean, I think I think people think that you know Junior Pep is sitting in a glass case somewhere waiting for Roto to come and break it, and then all of a sudden that's the coach, and they start playing like peak twenty twenty two Austin again. I don't know that that's the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's always too. a chance that there's some like twenty five year old coach who's who's just like who just like is going to get a shot in MLS or something. Like, I could definitely see something like a coach who's clearly not ready to take over a, like, small European club getting a shot here. So we're going to find the next Will Still is what I'm hearing? <laughs> uh, Jack Wilshire was rumored to Colorado for a little while, so you never know. He's born and bred in a Wenger Bowl, which is very similar to what everybody jerks off to with the Pep model, so... Um, how did, I'm sorry, how did that rumor start? Were people throwing darts at a dartboard to come up with that? Or? No, Colorado's, uh, he's the Arsenal U21 coach, U18 coach. Oh. Um, and they're both owned by uh, Kroenke. 
And so it was an opportunity to give him like a head coaching job. Sure. But my problem with MLS is when you talk about coaches and coaching hiring, there's already so much recycled NFL, NBA type stuff where it's just the same Mm -hmm. coaches constantly over and over. It it just put them in a new polo. Once you've been a coach, you're always a coach. I mean, Chris. But why aren't you looking at a Marcina down in San Antonio who's had a pedigree now of winning consistently and even winning a championship at a lower level and bringing him up or look, look throughout USL for other coaches as well. Look throughout America or North America or South America. Even I don't give a shit. Start looking outside of what we already know fails in an MLS. So when we ask the question of, well, who are you going to get? Think outside the damn box of MLS for a change. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that just hasn't worked though. Like, you know, for example, um, Atlanta got Heinze and that turned out to be like a horrible mistake. I mean, Lasada was kind of a dice roll and he's already, you know, been at two different jobs and apparently players hate him, you know? So, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, we also had that Charlotte hired who went out like in bombastic press conferences. <laughs> course, from the we know like, Phil Level's not going to work. We know this. We've seen it. Right. We have proof of concept. I'd rather take a shot on someone where at least there's a pedigree that it might work versus I got a pedigree that, hey, this is going to suck ass. Yeah, I mean, you would, but a lot of MLS teams don't, which I guess is her complaint here. But but also, I think it's just kind of the way it is, just because it is so risky to bring in a non-MLS coach to MLS for that first job. I mean, it just hasn't worked more than it's actually worked. You know, like, so, not everybody's Tata Martino. For sure, but I'm not – I guess my thought process is I'm not asking you to bring in a first-time manager. I'm asking yeah. you to, like, just look outside of MLS, even within the U.S. structure. Right. Or, for managers to come up who have been in a managerial position and have been successful. Right. Me, like I thought, I thought Lucen did good at the Red Bulls and I'm really surprised that they didn't retain him. Yeah. I, I, that I just, was, that I, was a big surprise. I, I don't understand the group thing that goes on within leadership of this league. And it drives me insane because I think it holds the league back from creativity and from growth. I well, mean, it's not only just this league, it's, so, so, it's really just every sports league who yeah. just recycles the same coaches. I mean, look at how baseball just recycles the same managers and never hires, like, the good AAA managers. Like, it's the same thing. Like, if you if the way MLS treats USL, like, well, they don't view USL as, like, being somewhere to, like, promote from. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of crazy if you think about it. So all four teams that are left in the playoffs, all their coaches are in their first two years right now in the league. Two of them are first-time coaches in this league. I mean, that's also a trend in MLS recently. Like, I looked it up um, not that long ago. Like, teams that win MLS Cup typically have a coach who's been there for less than three seasons. Like, you can tell pretty quickly if the coach is the guy or not. Yeah. But then again, if we had been on this podcast a year ago and we had heard about Ben Olsen being hired in Houston, we'd probably be saying the same things that we would have said about Phil Neville because his performance in D.C. wasn't great. And he's proved us all wrong. I mean, I don't think Ben Olsen's dad's name is Neville Neville. <laughs> I, mean, I would say I would say no, no, no. mixed, and I mean, I think some of that might have to do with you know, kind of DC's build and kind of like the dysfunctionality that they've had, you know, here and there, on and off. I mean, he's he's yeah, I mean, he isn't the most maybe kind of dynamic coach, but I mean, certainly, I mean, they're they're you know, they're playing a really dynamic system, obviously, but a lot of that has to do with a lot of personnel, and a lot of that has to do with you know, kind of the the thinking that they were doing before they even brought him on. Also, just like how players can get better, coaches can get better. And and a lot of times there's just a chance that, you know, the players are going to learn more or the coaches are going to learn from their past experiences and be able to take it on to their next job. And that might be, you know, that might be something that happens with Josh. 
Yeah. I mean, that's my big worry here is we get we get stuck with like a hey, this worked in MLS in 2018. Let's do that mindset. But we have you know Messi in Miami. We have that whole build. We have the non DP contracts for Bale and Chiellini. It's a different league. Yeah. So maybe we need to look at. I mean, do we get a regress from Giazza started his age back to 2018, or no? <laughs> Can't help you there. Uh, Phil, you want to do another question? Sure. Okay. Uh, fellow barbecue enthusiast uh, Chris Rubio asks, do you believe that Roto is throwing away the 2024 season given that there was no movement with Wolf and the squad won't be much better this season? A little bit of... Um, Assuming the question there in the end, yeah. but um, go for it. Well, that's cynical. Um, I mean, I don't think that he's throwing it necessarily, but I do think it's going to be a rebuild year. I mean, I think it's going to be, again, if you kind of look at the scenarios that are out there, I mean, I think it's going to look a lot like Atlanta's season this year. I mean, again, I don't know if they're going to get the equivalent of, uh, you know, Jack Marcus. I, I hope so. That would be great. That would help things a bunch. Uh, but I think what it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of, you know, shedding contracts that don't really work for the team, um, bringing in players. And I mean, you know, Roto talked about it being like three to four windows, right? So I don't know that it's going to be throwing the season as much as maybe setting expectations and saying, yeah, it's going to take a while to, you know, unmake this really bad roster and make it a functional good MLS roster again, you know, and you are seeing already, I mean, just that, that so many of the options were declined is an indication that, yeah, okay, there's, there's a rebuild in progress, but it's also a matter of who you bring in as well. Right. So, I mean, if it's just kind of different retreads and they're going to be kind of the same level of performance, then yeah, it's going to be problematic. Uh, But I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's some kind of like nefarious plot uh, in, in in store where um, we're purposely going to get a bunch of bad players just so, um, you know, Wolf can take the blame for that. I think they are going to try to make that work. I think that's kind of a point of pride for Roto um, to, to make that whole thing work. But I do think it's going to take a while to get the roster fixed because, I mean, obviously, you know, you have you have one DP that works and works on like that kind of half the level that he did in 22 when he was an MVP candidate. And then you have, you know, two other DPs that um, are probably not giving DP level contributions. I mean, I think rings got, you know, from, from raw numbers, he's really good. And I've got an article that I'm working on uh, that should be up tomorrow. That's going to delve into that a little bit, but you know, clearly you're not getting kind of the production that you wanted out of Bergoni. And if you're not getting, production out of your DPs and your U22 players and kind of your higher played, you know, paying players like, you know, again, you had, you know, Fagundas this year, um, obviously Zardis, obviously Hedges. If you're not getting uh, performances that are consummate, you know, consummate with those salaries, then um, that's going to reflect in how the team performs. I mean, it's, it's clearly a function of you need your DPs to hit first and foremost. Phil, more interested in seeing the roster in January or August. Oh, I think August is going to give us a much clearer indication of where the team's going. Oh yeah. I mean, but, I mean, but January in the short term, just cause I'm like really dying for news. <laughs> <laughs> Follow Phil on uh, Substack stack day all day. Um, I worry a little bit. I don't know if this is as much about the team versus the fan base. This is Roto's first job as a sporting director. Like the guy's been around the game for a while. He knows what he's doing. He knows, you know, good from bad, but uh, 
is it a learning curve for him too? Yes. Yeah. Um, I Can got, we pay anywhere near enough attention to that? I mean, it is a learning curve for him. I mean, if if you had told me that I'd be having drinks with him at a shitty dive bar in Columbus, Ohio last month, and he had realized that five months ago celebrating an MLS Next Pro Cup, I doubt um, – you know, like if you had told me at the beginning of the season that that situation would have happened, I would have laughed my ass off because it would just be so ridiculous. And he was still adjusting to things. He's still adjusting to how these systems work. That you can't just bring up players. Like it's one of those things. Like he academically knows his constraints, but it's one thing for him to academically know them. It's another thing for him to see that firsthand. And I think he's a patient person. I mean, he's someone who's watched players develop from when they were seven, eight, nine years old, building them up through a system. I think his patience is much longer than ours. And that is something that we're going to have to watch in due time. And I think at this point, his goal is having a team that's right around the playoff line come July, August, get some players and make a playoff run next year. More important question, because this is how I think we'll know what kind of what we're looking with Roto. What was his drink of choice? He was drinking a Bell's Two-Hearted. Okay, that's, that's not a bad – okay. That's a man of taste. I appreciate this. Yeah, yeah no, Bell's was... kind of went downhill after Larry Bell sold the company, but I'm not going to fault him for that. Yeah, no. He, 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 could, have, he, he could have gone with the um, Reinhouse Cheetah that was on draft, but he, he, that's probably too foreign to him, and that's fine. Reinhouse is pretty good. We went there, right? Yeah, we did. That was a yeah. place that had the huge overarching um, – like vaulted ceiling and all of that fun stuff. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, while we're on the subject, uh, Phil, how much is jellyfish going to cost next year? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a question for Andy Lockney that I should probably ask. So, um, I just want to know why it's exponentially cheaper at the HEB Center in Cedar Park. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so so can I share my conspiracy theory about this? Yeah, yes. for sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> My conspiracy theory about this is that they intentionally priced it that high so that everybody would notice it because of the high price and wonder why is electric jellyfish $18. But every time we wondered that, we also say the name of it and it's free promotion for them constantly as we complain about the beer prices and it has only led to more people being aware of it. So is this like the Starbucks, they write your name wrong thing? Where everybody is like, oh, Starbucks wrote my name wrong on my cup. They got it wrong. And then they like complain to their office mates and people are like, oh, I heard Starbucks. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Or just that Levi's wants to make obscene profits. I think that's genius. I also don't think it's accurate. It just bothers me. I didn't say it was a real theory. I said it's a conspiracy theory. Oh, no, I think it's genius. Uh, it just bothers me when I go to hockey over here in Cedar Park, and it's a 32-ouncer is 14 bucks on draft. Wow. And yeah, and a pint at the stadium and a can is $19 for soccer. It's just That's a wild difference to me, and I can't understand it. That's a big leap. And a 15% tip for the uh, self-checkout kiosk. Yes, yes. Right. I lose my mind on that. Well, I mean, I think it makes people curious. Um, yeah, just a reminder to, to people who didn't catch it. Um, I did the article a few months ago when we knew kind of all the roster um, salary numbers and I calculated the entire Austin FC salary in electric jellyfish. Nice. I'll probably, I'll probably bring Do you that remember back what it was? Later. I somehow missed that. Now I need to go find it. <laughs> I think we were 
I think we were approaching a million um, EJs as the currency. And I think we made some piles that this year. Do they sell a million EJs during the season? Oh, hold on. Now we got to do some other math. Hold on. Sorry. I don't think that, no, but it was no, no, a, a million like, EJs would be like 2.5 EJs a person at every match. There's no way that's I I thought they've sold a million EJs total. Okay, so hold on. If we assume 15,000 people at the stadium can drink on a given night. And we have <laughs> oh no. 18 <laughs> games a year. That's two hundred seventy thousand for one beer per person per game. So if we do per half, now we're at over half a million beers of electric jellyfish that we bought on the salary, one per half for an entire season. I'm sure this is doable. Yeah, except for other people who are ranch waters. Well, yeah, but then when you like take into account how many more beers you needed to get through this past season. It would actually be really funny to have Liz Verdes for one home match intentionally buy out the electric jellyfish in the stadium. Well, that happened to me when we were at the uh, hockey game at the ATV center, like the two people in front of me bought the last of the uh, electric jellyfish. So I didn't get one of Brad's lovely $14, uh, 32 ounces. Yeah. But such is life. Do we have any more questions for Phil from the from the readership? No, um, I just pinged that in an Arsenal group earlier, kind of on accident. Um, <laughs> and uh, I thought those were good good questions. So, uh, do you guys have any questions for Phil? All right, Phil. Out of the box signing that is going to be in Verde come January. Out of the box meaning off the radar. Let's say that. Let's use that phrase. Okay. Um, let's say let's say Tam level striker. Give me a name. I, yeah, but who? <laughs> but it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be out of the box. Um, Billy Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, Billy Sharp certainly fits the profile, right? So yeah. He's he's over thirty. So. No, he's too productive. That's the problem. But I mean, you think, I mean, you think about it. You know, players like you know Bison and like Radovanovich. You know, who had really great numbers for like the brief time he was here. Um, you know, there's you know Gabrielson. I mean, these are these are players that like people didn't generally know at all when they came over here, and they turned out to be. You know, I mean, I think I think Bison kind of one of the better fits. Um, you know, that's been on the team in the last year. You know, obviously Gabrielson, you know, he's missed. Um, you know, I think Radovanovich, if he had been, you know, convinced to, you know, want to stay in the U.S., um, would have been, you know, probably, you know, maybe maybe a better center back solution than where, you know, the club arrived. So, I mean, I think it's going to be somebody who is like truly off the radar. I mean, that's my hope. I mean, you know, certainly you can kind of look at the MLS free agent list and try to talk yourself into you know, like, you know, Diego Rubio or Fafa Pico or someone like that. But um, my, I mean, my hope, and I think I would imagine with Precorde that, you know, his hope and with Roto is that you get tapped into this truly global network, you know, and you can find people and you don't have to rely on like, you know, Diego Cerati, you know, people like that to, to stock your team. Yeah. All so right. I guess the question is then to follow up on that, Phil, who do you think that, Okay, so it's rumored that Luis Suarez is going to enter Miami. Do you think there's going to be any other A-list signings of players that come into the league in 
before um, the next season starts in February? I mean, I think, you know, Griezmann's been talked about, but I think he might still be a few years away. I mean, again, you know, for I think those top-level European players, it's it's still going to be something where that's going to be tempting late in their career. Um, you know, if there is if there is more money to be had, I mean, certainly, you know, Messi's kind of like a special move heaven and earth kind of situation in order to get him on the money that you needed to get him on. But I could see, you know, certain players maybe – you know, buying into that project, maybe not people necessarily of like, you know, Griezmann's or Mbappe's ilk, but maybe somebody that's like maybe kind of a tier below that. Um, you know, I was, I mean, I was, you know, I was certainly surprised with, you know, obviously Messi, there had been a lot of noise um, for a while, but, you know, to hear Suarez coming in, I mean, that, you know, that to me is, is, you know, even at his age, it's pretty shocking because he's still, he's still pretty productive for, yeah. Um, you know, and he still could theoretically, I mean, you know, certainly there are mountains of money to be made in Saudi Arabia right now. And, you know, somebody like um, that could, you know, I, I also see that maybe like players who are lured in by kind of the, the Saudi money, um, you know, like Yannick Carrasco or something like that. Maybe they want a safety valve and maybe MLS is that. So you might have people that say, no, I really don't want to like play or live in this country anymore. I've made my cash, but, um, you know, going back to Europe might not be necessarily the move. I mean, I think MLS gets more and more appealing, especially, you know, with the World Cup coming in 26 and with what Messi's done. I mean, at least, you know, and if there is a fourth DP, there's going to be all of a sudden, you know, this this kind of extra, you know, place for, you know, 29, 30 players to go once when San Diego gets in. So, yeah, I definitely think that there's kind of more of a market to where something like that would be doable. Yeah, yeah no. especially for I was going to say South on American the players question. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say staying on the Miami question. Are they the favorites to win their local over thirty five league this year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they look pretty strong. Um, yeah, in that in that turn. Seriously, I mean, I kind of I kind of wonder like what they're going to be like. You know, having a full off season. You know, possibly. You know, if they do get Suarez, obviously, yeah. I mean, they'll be pegged as one of the favorites, but. You know, they, they, I mean, they still obviously had some issues and they couldn't dig out of the, the hole that they were in. Um, but, you know, that was a, that was a Phil Neville dug hole. You know? <laughs> now, now, now Portland has to worry about that. So uh, be curious to see kind of what they do out of the gate. Um, they'll, they'll be, you know, definitely one of the more interesting teams to watch. Yeah. Now, Phil, the, the one name you did not bring up that I thought you might bring up that has been widely rumored here in Chicago is Robert Lewandowski coming here. Oh, yeah. Which would be fantastic. Yeah, they'd actually have people. The this the third largest city in Poland would actually show up at games. <laughs> no, that'd be great. I mean, that I, I mean that probably works better than Shakiri, though. Um, I'm always going to have a soft spot in my heart for Shakiri now because uh, yeah. my my daughter um, back in the uh, U.S. Open Cup match, um, she got to be the mascot, um, and she got paired with Shakiri. Because she's a short six-year-old. Um, and, yeah, Shakira gave her a really great big wink, um, holding her hand going out in the field, which made, like, a lot of the, the Chicago uh, social media stuff. And then, like, she ended up getting featured in a hype video. You know, of course, it was a, a fire hype video because they beat us and they were moving on in the next round of the um, the Open Cup. But, um, yeah, he he treated her well in that brief time. I think it was, like, she was she was calling – she was saying her name was Banana, too, for some strange reason. Oh. So, because that's just kind of the 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 kid that she is. So, hey, hype video is a hype video, and uh, Shakira always gets points for throwing up the double eagle. So, um, yeah, him and Granite both got very fined and suspended for that, but mm. it was well worth it. Um, you guys want to do a little fun closer here? Yeah, uh, I I actually still have one question for Phil. If that's okay. Okay, sure. Um, 
so I know this happened a couple of years ago, but are you ever going to do a hot wings uh, or hot chicken wings challenge again? Um, depends on the occasion. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you know Jeremiah and Lamb and for them, I'm certainly, I'm certainly down to do that. Um, but yeah, my nephew actually, um, yeah, he's he's really gotten into um, hot foods, and he like did a challenge at the the school Halloween party with his like fellow eighth graders. So it's definitely like running in the family now, you know, I've got, got my daughter asking about pepper X, you know, and all that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm down to, you know, risk my, my palate, my insides for a dumb food challenge. Sure. No, Brad and I will do one with you. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. What, what is it going to be built around though? You pick. Okay. <laughs> I, I can think about this. Yeah. I mean, if it's, a, if it's a three way, then I gotta, I gotta think about this. Maybe, maybe this has to do with um, y'all important cup of tea house or something like that. Let me, let me think on it and get back to y'all. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, um, Seth, I'm gonna start with you. We've basically been out of MLS for almost two months. Um, what's been your biggest moment of suffering since then? The biggest moment of suffering has been. Um... I just have to say just, just the tick tock, tick tock of just like waiting for just about anything to happen. And hopefully that will end soon after MLS Cup. Uh, Charles? Uh, my biggest moment of suffering was on November 8th when Manchester United were robbed of a Champions League win against Copenhagen thanks to shoddy officiating and even shoddier defending. It's a good way to put it. Um, Brad, how about you? Of the off season so far? I don't yeah. I don't know that I've really had one to be honest. It's it's been a pretty good off season. Um haven't been paying a whole lot of attention to to soccer. Uh things have been going well on the other football side. So honestly it's been pretty good. Pretty pretty good. Your biggest moment of suffering is that you have no moment of suffering? Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> There you go. Oh, I, I guess I do have to correct that. Uh, Joe Burrow providing me my biggest moment of suffering because mm. I was just thinking in terms of an yeah. Austin FC. I mean, it's probably going to come Sunday when I go watch the Broncos play for the first time in 13 years in person. So yeah, that's not going to go good. Yeah, they're going to let me down, which is what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, they built you up enough, and now they're going to completely smash all your hopes and dreams. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll go ahead and do mine. Um, Seth and I have had a refereeing podcast like planned for three months and we keep waiting for like a non-insane weekend of refereeing to happen and it hasn't happened and i just want that to stop (laughs) so we can actually do that um phil yeah i would say actually sunday um i i um in you know again kind of running out of teams to root for was kind of hoping that my my boyhood club the sounders would be lafc and then they ran into a whole bunch of ted uncle which oh, was yeah. a lot of fun. So, and I kind of, I kind of didn't want to see LAFC into the conference finals again, but they're there now. So I'm actually kind of hoping for an LAFC Cincinnati uh, final because I think that will be the most fun of the uh, remaining options. Yeah, Whether sort of. A, LAFC is the known evil, like Bayern Munich type of like them winning doesn't really bother me because it's just sort of uh, whatever. Um, Columbus, not great. Houston, obviously not great. Um, Cincinnati would be fine. Yeah, yeah, I think Cincinnati is the clear choice right now. Yeah, uh, 
teams that I want to win that would make me perfectly happy for their fan base and a team that I'd like to see win who's been fun to watch a play all year. Yeah, like from a pure soccer standpoint, Columbus-Houston would probably actually be a lot of fun, but um, I would be constantly recoiling during watching that match. So that would, that would make it really difficult, you know. That yeah, would be a perfect like end to like Austin's season is to have to watch MLS Cup and have a have a somewhat reading interest in either Columbus or Houston winning. Okay, but the funniest outcome for me against Columbus this year is they lose the MLS Next Pro Cup to Austin, who they still have the hatred for for us, and then they lose out of the playoffs in the conference finals to Cincinnati. Like, there's nothing funnier for Columbus to me against that. <laughs> yeah, no, it would That's be yeah. 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 You know what? Ohio State died this past weekend, so the Ohio MLS teams could live or something like that? Hey, the no, rankings but... just came out. Ohio State's still in live support. Oh, yeah. Well, they're Ohio State. They can, <laughs> they, they have more lives than a cat. They are still currently above Texas and Bama. So. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> no, but it, it would be like, – I can't – like if you look at this, I mean, obviously LAFC won last year. Columbus won in 2020. Seattle won in 20. Now, what you call it? They had one in 2019. You get to Houston. They've won a U.S. Open Cup this year. I mean, outside of the Shield, that's Cincinnati's one. That no professional sports team in Cincinnati has won a championship in 33 years. If they win, if they can win both these games at home, that's going to be a huge. I mean, the city might not survive, but that would be, that's okay. How not survive are we talking about? Like Philadelphia? Or- no, like I mean, it would be. I mean, it's a what a four o'clock game. There would be. I mean, the. I w- and there's no public transit really there. Like I would have to like, oh gosh, the amount of DUIs leaving that stadium is kind of terrifying to think of. Um, but that is, oh, you know what? Like I think it would be, it'd be fun, and the city would deserve it. There might be a few buildings that burn here or there, but like, eh, nothing that nothing they haven't seen before. Is that the best of the Cincinnati cities, though, or the Ohio cities rather, or? Would you would you say Cleveland's better than Cincinnati? I mean, uh, as a native Cincinnatian, um, I can't say that Cleveland is better. That would be sure. um, a lie. And, anything. and like, as Devin's been there before, I mean, the area around TQL, which when I was growing up was like an area where you volunteered at the soup kitchen, is now mm-hmm. an area where you buy fifteen dollar cocktails. And there's like six craft breweries and all these high end restaurants and everything else. Like, it's it's a really cool neighborhood what they've done and. They're going to be building a bunch more. They're building a team hotel. They're doing all, all sorts of transit-oriented development there um, in the next year or two. So I'm excited to see what's going to come up there. Right. But there are, like, homes that are just west of the stadium that, like, if they um, – like, a few buildings that look like, oh, one match could actually, like, burn down the whole block because that is mm-hmm. – it's very clear the line of what has been gentrified and what has not been gentrified. Got it. Yeah, and it's very um, – it mirrors my hometown, St. Louis, quite a bit. So it's sort of home away from home. Yeah, Although we don't have a pig statue in a tuxedo like I found there. Yep, the Flying Pig Wait, Marathon. I'm sorry, yeah. what? So Cincinnati's yeah, Marathon is called the Flying Pig, and that there are flying pig statues all over the city. Yeah, it's a thing. I, I need to go see this. Yeah? Yes. Field trip. Well. Maybe we'll get an away game there oh, next year. Okay, yeah, this is the other thing we should talk about now that we have Phil on. Best guesses for road games. We've had this conversation with Seth, but I'd like to hear you both talk about it. So, Phil, you mean, like East, East road games? Yeah, East yes. road games. 
Yeah. Um, well, what what hasn't happened? Um, so Philly have, hasn't we have, happened, right? We have, we have seven that Chicago. haven't happened. So it's okay. Columbus, Cincinnati, Chicago, Philly, NYCFC, Orlando, Toronto. Hmm. So many good ones in there. For no good reason, I'm going to say Chicago, Philly, Orlando definitely is the three. I think for no good reason is actually the scheduling mantra. So it's <laughs> <laughs> um, a inconvenient road trip. But we yeah. haven't played Philly or NYCFC or Chicago scheduled in the league at all. Correct. No. Yeah, so I, I think we'll get those. Um, I at the MLS Next Pro Final, as some of you know, I think I carried. I ended up carrying out the trophy onto the field, which was a bizarre, a whole set of circumstances. And I ended up in the crew pitch night club with Dr. Pete, their owner, and. It was like, oh, the, the, we were having a nice chat about how cool everything was to see this game happening. He's like, my number one request to the league is making sure the first teams play here next year. So I have no idea if Dr. Mm. Pete Ford means anything, but he very clearly wanted it on the schedule. That that would be a road trip. I mean, all-star games there this year, right? So, yes. So there is the possibility of, of going to Columbus, even if um, the whole team doesn't go. Yeah, no. I definitely recommend an all-star game. They're fun. Yeah, I mean, that's also, I mean, I would hope that Boston hosts the 2025 all-star game. I mean, I think, we I think they it. will. I'm surprised they didn't host this one. Well, I think I, that I, Columbus wanted to be like, hey, we're going to host before Austin because like, we don't really care about that, but they care about that. So let them care about that. Right. Yeah. No, I, I would be shocked um, if Austin didn't get the 25. Let there be mustard packets. <laughs> I'm totally carrying mustard with me when we go there. All right. Well, um, I'm really intrigued about this uh, spicy wings challenge with Phil, actually. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, feel free to to send in suggestions to Phil or the um, at SFJ Podcast on uh, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want to. Um, follow Phil on uh verde all day Substack. anything you guys want to throw in right here at the end oh maybe maybe it should be picking the correct order of dallas houston austin although i don't know if we would arrive at the same things maybe so uh i don't know just throwing that out there as a possibility Mm. i mean the other idea could be doing like uh closest to austin's total point total at the end of the season Mm. i like that well, um, I think I got third in the Predictatron, so I was doing better than you guys. <laughs> yeah, oh no, I'm, I'm pretty terrible. confident in that one. I was way too optimistic about last year. We all were. <laughs> oh, sweet summer children. You know what? I'd rather, it's kind of fun to go into a season with no expectations, so hopefully they can't let us down. Well, I think that's where a lot of people are at. So, like, Say that, and then ticket prices rise 15% again next year. Yeah, Seth, don't you have a friend that said pre-court will find a way to, like, screw you in ways you never thought possible? Yes, that is that is true. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what? At least our tickets, I was talking to my dad when I was back in Cincinnati. Their Bengal season tickets went up by 36% this uh, for next season. Which, admittedly, like, they have to pay Joe Burrow. I get it. But, like... It is. It's interesting. I mean, it could be worse. Like, my dad's went up a bunch, and then they moved the team to LA. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that was a whole thing. 
Charles is um, audio. Yeah, Charles, you back? Charles is returning, just in time for us to sign off. Charles. <laughs> Perfect. Charles. I'm sorry. What was the question? Just there you go. Nothing. No. Just I did nonsense. Remember, I did remember my soccer-related uh, suffering from our suffering from joy. By the way, uh, oh. I broke my wrist playing indoor. Oh, how'd you do that? Mm. Playing keeper, took a shot right off the tiny bone on the side of my wrist. Mm. Oh, don't do that. Yeah, it, it hurt. Indoor, yeah. indoor, I won't tell you. Indoor is dangerous. I won't play indoor. Yeah, yeah. I hardly play outdoor. Going to play in the media yeah, yeah. on Friday though, which should be fun. Phil, can you get me in to broadcast this? I don't know. Like I Lincoln was there last year, so I will. I will. T- I think they're trying to figure out like who all is going to actually be there, and they're going to have rosters by Thursday. So let me let me work on that. I, I don't know. Yeah. Brad, I, I, I got to go two years ago. I just literally just walked into St. David's and no one kicked me out. Is it during the day on Friday? It was like 3 p.m. when I went two years ago. Okay. I just need someone to hook me up with a broadcast so that we can live stream this thing at some point. In, it may not be this year because it's too late in the game. But next year, we should start working on this and we need some inside work so that we can do play-by-play. <laughs> and then we can go recruit uh, – uh, why am I missing our friend's name all of a sudden? Alistair McAllister to work with me here and we can live stream this broadcast on the media game. Mm. That's my dream right now. God. Don't know if that's going to be the media players dreams necessarily, but I mean, I hear the who is going for the, going for that DP spot. Are we doing joy or just suffering? Is there, is this just all about suffering or. I mean, joy, we would love it. Okay. Does any no no one else has joy? Or no, we usually just do suffering. But um, yeah. yeah, tell us some joy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even though college football is a horrible scam and um, conferences mean nothing anymore, I'm really enjoying Washington's football season. Um, so you know, again, kind of hoping to kind of continue that on uh, Friday night with the uh, the game against Oregon in Vegas. Mucho mucho joy. Missouri's doing great. Uh, Brad doesn't have to watch Auburn, so yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love my alma mater. I despise the University of Alabama, but as I hate Hugh Freeze more, and him losing the last two weeks in the way he has just brings me joy. <sighs> so, yeah. Then I have news. Brad, who's the worst human being, Hugh Freeze or Tommy Tuberville? Oh God. They were on the field talking to each other pregame the other day, apparently. Oh, God. Imagine that conversation. <laughs> and I just learned the origin of God, the Trump about ribbons, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's been a long season. But, uh, but one thing is, I have found like a renewed love for the sport that, honestly, I grew up loving the most is college football because – the quad box on YouTube TV has changed my life. Mm. And all I have been doing all year is literally watching quad box plus another game on the computer. So that five games going at a time. And it was never my alma mater. It was always something else. And it was great. I'm just enjoying football for football's sake. And I'm going to get to go see Army Navy in a week and a half that I'm super excited for. So and knock off a bucket list trip. So I'm ready. 
Yeah, I always uh, get that way prepared. with the NHL playoffs too. Like as soon as the Blues are knocked out, like it's so much more fun. Yeah. Yeah, Brad, is that going to be your first time at Foxborough? Uh, yes. So be prepared if you're not staying near there for some of the worst traffic you've ever seen in your life getting in and out of that venue. We have preemptively bought train tickets. Good. Uh, I, I'm glad that you got – I'm glad they're running the train because – They are. The but, Austin game out there, they did not run the train, and that was uh, – yeah. Well, I mean, MLS yeah. doesn't matter. But our, for, our, train, they, our, tra- yeah. our train gets to the stadium, I want to say, like five hours before kickoff. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, Army-Navy, a lot of it is – pre-game a lot of the spectacle is actually pre-game so you want to get there early and then our one home is like two hours after the game or something like that yeah and and there's great tailgating parking lots and there's like a whole mall there yeah we figured we'd find i saw a brewery and stuff so i figured we'd hang out and eat and drink before and after the game and be fine so you will be just fine i hope it's not too cold uh it is looking as of today as 44 and rainy you know what for december in new england that's pretty good yeah i'm not complaining yet yeah, uh, that sounds like a joy from Brad. I guess, Charles, do you want to pop one in? Phil's messing with our format here, but we'll go ahead and do it. Not bringing happiness, Phil. Um, no, I, Jesus, Phil. I, I also was at the U.S. Men's National Team match against uh, Trinidad Tobago, and uh, there was some pretty good joy toward, toward the end, um, just seeing the team actually score thanks to the, the red card. I actually leaned over to... Um, some U.S. fans who were next to me after the red card and said, "Oh, good, we finally have a chance at scoring," uh, and they were they were not happy with my assessment of the team. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Seth, you got a good one? Oh yeah, I mean, I got to go to the FC Toe Championship game. Like that was awesome. Like we we haven't really we haven't actually recorded a podcast since then. Like I mean, getting to win MLS Next Pro in the first season and the way that we did coming back from Weno Down in Columbus in front of over seven thousand fans at Lower.com Field and like we had a fun group of supporters. The fa- families were great to work with. Like getting player access, um, and then we ended up after the game at a. Um, sketchy dive bar right off of the stadium grounds and got to celebrate with the whole team and ownership and Andy who was like in witness protection in Columbus like he did not come Roto and Andy did not come to the fan section at all I mean they just stayed in their box um you like did not show up there because like Andy is like yeah I'm staying at a hotel in the suburbs 35 minutes away because it's like if I stayed near the stadium I'm afraid the crazy crew fans would have come and hunted him down yeah, it was his first time back in Columbus since oh, wow. uh, leaving. Oh my! Wow, uh, I forgot to tell you all my funny U.S. national team story from the game. Um, so, in about the 60th minute, maybe 55th, there was a gentleman on my row who just started chanting for Pepe it, for him to come in. It's Pepe, Pepe, and I. After a couple of minutes, I just. Kind of got annoyed, and I was like, he doesn't fundamentally change the game because if the way they're playing defensively, TNT is loading the box and just making us go over the top, right? So if you just do a straight swap and striker, nothing changes. <clears throat> it turns out this gentleman and the people he was getting to chant Pepe were all Pepe's family. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you showed him. <laughs> also, also, he was right. Huh? I said, also, he was right. Well, no, he really wasn't, though, because he said, what has Flo done? Wait till Pepe comes in for Flo. The goal was scored because the tactics were changed to go to two strikers. Right. Which they were running off of each other. 
So he really wasn't right. This is definitely, uh, I'm technically correct, the best kind of correct argument. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, was, it was hilarious. When Pepe scored, he, like, he reached out to give me the handshake. He did the whole fake slide his hand by his hair thing. I was like, all right, fine. That's cool. <laughs> all right, I see how it's going to be. It's all right. Uh, fair enough there, though. Uh, what yeah. section were you in? I was literally in my season tickets, my row, just a few seats down. Oh, damn. Nice. Yeah. All right. Oh, I have to do one of these, don't I? Hmm. Mucho, mucho joy. Actually, you know what? Um, Mizzou is going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Very likely in Arlington. I keep seeing Peach Bowl. See that but too. if it's in Arlington, I think we'll go. Especially if we play Texas. It'll be fun. Oh, we'll see. Look, I guess I had a thought, but that's a conference game again. Mm, yeah, maybe they won't do that. I don't know. Yeah, but like, it's not. Whatever, I don't really care about that. Oh, actually, I meant to do this at the opening. Um, Brad, Charles, Phil... Uh, Seth and I play like a daily trivia game, and we went head to head today. Who do you think won? Seth. Oh, Seth. I I, I feel like Devin won because otherwise you wouldn't bring it up. <laughs> uh, Seth, you want to fill them in? Uh, we believe that we tied, but Devin actually got more points right. But Devin did not play defense very well, so a very Austin FC fitting story. Yes, uh, Devin got more questions correct, but Seth played the points better, so we ended up with a tie. But Devin is ahead of me. Devin is a better trivia player than I am. How do you play defense and trivia? So how Bird League works is that you get six questions per day, and you assign the one that you think they are least likely to get right three points, then the next two, two points, the next two, two, one point, and then the one that you think they're obviously going to get right, you assign zero points. Mm, Okay. And you get, like... You can see the people's track record on categories. And the thing is, I'm usually a very easy player to play defense against because, like, I am very knowledgeable about certain things. Like, for example, my current event score is something like I'm 50, I've gotten 51 out of 52 current event questions right, but on classical music, I've gotten 12 out of 53. Like, Seth, what song did Taylor Swift change to include Travis Kelsey into the lyrics? I do not know. I'm not. Well, that's not even classical. Now you're 51 for 53. But is that a current event or is that a pop music question? Oh, see, that's. I think it's current event. It was on. It was on CNN and all the other articles. Yeah, no, it is. I did. I will say the thing I did see today about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift is that they got custom Bearcats basketball jerseys because they are apparently going to go to the Cincinnati Kansas basketball game in January at Allen Fieldhouse <laughs> together, and they look amazing. Taylor Swift getting this is this is, man, this is really far in the weeds even for us. Taylor Swift getting attacked by Kansas basketball fans might be the funniest thing I can think of at this point because they're yeah, that's, it, it's still Kansas basketball, man. It is I, Kansas basketball. It is a big Monday, eight o'clock, ESPN Central Tide game. Like it's going to be good there. And Bearcats look okay. I was watching them earlier on the most hilarious ESPN Plus feed. They were playing at Howard, like in DC, which I don't know why they were doing that. And, they were doing it on a camera that was so bad that it made Next Pro look great. They had one camera and they would forget to change it side to side. So you would miss half the plays, but they <laughs> won it overtime. And the Bearcats have the best named player um, 
in college basketball this year. Edron James, the uh, running back's son, his name is Jizzle. And yes, in the Bearcats record is Jizzle James. That's amazing. God bless America. It's okay. All right. Well, I mean, I've been trying to wrap this up for 20 minutes, so um, we can do whatever you guys want to. We're currently watching a little bit of uh, our annual Christmas marathon of Hallmark movies um, that we started last year on Carrie's Instagram. And uh, I will spoil one thing because I'm like I said, I'm I'm going to the game next week. So we're getting a few of them ahead of time. And uh, one of the characters name was Bank Bankerson. Amazing. He's supposed to be a newsman, and his name is Bank Binkerson. It stands to reason. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, we've definitely, like, Midwestern goodbye tried to end this podcast. <laughs> I've been trying, I swear to God, for, like, 20, 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, anything to close out on? Um, no, no, I think, uh, I think Bank Binkerson brought us home. <laughs> yeah. Um, Phil, can we bring you back for the, uh, Christmas movie slash TV show discussion. Sure. sure. Yeah. No, I, um, I, I left to go to my uh, co-working space as um, my wife and kids were plunging into the uh, first episode of Santa Claus's. So, <laughs> so yes, I, I'm sure I'll be able to, to weigh in um, sporadically on some of these things. Okay. Um, Seth, Brad, Charles, anything you guys want to add? I'm I think that is no. I'm wrapping this up when I get the chance. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so on behalf of Seth, on behalf of Brad, on behalf of Charles and uh, our special guest, Phil West, uh, thanks for joining joining us and, you know, follow Phil on Substack. I don't know what the last 20 to 30 minutes of this shit was, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Let us know at SFJ Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, You guys can find me. Uh, on social media. Just do it. We love you guys. Thanks. Good night. Night. Promise here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. It's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory!